This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Word for you tonight. Will you take the hand of the person next to you right now? Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Do me a favor, Commission Church. Don't listen to me. Pray. Pray with me. Lift your voice. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for last night and the night before. We thank you for this entire week. But Father, we're not satisfied with the blessings of the past. We want you to do it again. Do it again in our hearts and do it again in our lives. And after it's all been said and done and we leave this building tonight, let us know that we know we've been in your house. Let us know we've been in your presence. We believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, give the Lord praise one more time in the house. Can you do that right now? Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Amen. Well, how many feel good? Raise your hand. All right. How many look good? Raise your hand. How many other person next to you lied? It's okay. Go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, I want to give you tonight, it's not a, a strong word, but it is a, 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 it's, it's not a long word, but a strong word. I want to talk about the human side of ministry. Will you say that with me? The human side of ministry. There are two great confessions in the word of God. I think most of you are familiar with the first one, Matthew 16 and 16. No need to turn there. But Jesus is talking with the disciples, and you know the story. He says, uh, who do men say that I am? And you know that they start barking out their answers. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this and that. Then he gets to what he really wants to say, and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately blurts out, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. I'd like to translate what he was really saying. He was really saying, Peter, you're, you're too stupid to get that on your own. My dad had to tell you that. No, sir, we can King James versionize it all night. Flesh and blood did not reveal, but my father, he was really saying, dude, you're a fisherman. There is no way in your tiny box of brains you would have ever arrived at that conclusion. My father in heaven revealed that to you. How many know some things we get by information, but other things we get by revelation? And when he said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God, it's Peter's great confession. It's the foundation of our faith. But I want to submit to you tonight, church, that there's another great confession in the Word of God, and it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 14, and in the 15th verse, and here's what these incredible words are. Paul goes to Iconia, and he says, we are but men, human, just like yourselves. He says to the Iconians, I'm just a man, human, like you. Now, when I give you Peter's great confession, it's exciting. Pastor, I've grown up in church. I've been in camp meetings. I've been in revivals. I've seen preachers get up and say, and Peter said, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. And people are like, ah! But when I give you Paul's great confession that he says to the Iconians, Hey, we're just a man. I'm just a man, human like you. Nobody wants to shout. What am I saying? I'm saying that we don't have any problem shouting about Jesus, but we got big time issues when it comes to ourselves. And when he said, I'm just a man, human like you. Let me tell you what was going on, church. That the Jesus had ascended, already ascended into heaven. Uh, thousands were being added to the church. The disciples uh, became kind of famous, if that makes sense. People knew who they were. People were being raised from the dead. All kinds of things were going on. Everyone knew who the disciples were. And Paul was going to Iconia, and he knew that the Iconians were probably going to have an inclination to maybe, you know, maybe kind of just elevate him a little bit, kind of put him up on a pedestal. And he was saying to them, listen, yes, I was a disciple, and I walked with Jesus, but I need you guys to know something. I'm just human, just like you. Can I tell you something tonight? You need to know these two things. First of all, to deny your humanity is not only untruthful, but it's a disservice to yourself and the people that you could possibly minister to. 
The second proposition I want to give you tonight is that your humanity is probably one of the greatest assets that you have in impacting other people. I'm going to say this. People don't relate to perfection. They relate to humanity. You hear what I'm saying? People don't relate to, how many remember, uh, does anybody remember old school testimony services? Anyway, wave at me if you've been in this thing. You remember that? Pastor would get up and he'd say, well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, who's got a testimony? And we had a lady in our church, her name was Twyla, and I'm telling you, every time she could get that mic, every time she could get that mic, she'd get up and she'd start with a little Holy Ghost, you know, and she'd start crying and she'd say, well, I just want to praise God because my marriage is perfect and my husband and I have never had an argument and our kids are all going to Harvard and Princeton and Yale and we've never had COVID. We've never had anything. We've all, uh, you know, won the Powerball. We've got $482 billion in the bank and my husband's got three promotions and we have no credit card debt. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I can't relate to that. But you know what? Sometimes somebody would get up and say, you know what? My marriage isn't perfect, but God's been faithful. You know, sometimes somebody would get up and say, you know what, my kids aren't there, but they're coming along. And, and you know what, guys, I've been sick, and I've been well, and I've had money, and I've been broke, and I've been on the mountaintop, and I've been in a valley. But can I testify to somebody tonight, my God has been faithful every step of the way. Come on, somebody, I can relate to that. And so what we have to understand tonight that we cannot deny our humanity. And there's something going on in the body of Christ today. And I'll have to tell you, Pastor, it, it's unsettling to me. We now have TBN, and we got Daystar, and we got Sky Angel, and we got God TV, and we got all these men and women of God, and some of them have literally become celebrities. You guys know what I'm talking about. They're on television, and they got their private jets, and they got people to carry their bag for them and give them a Tic Tac. I think it's ridiculous. We ought to thank God tonight that he lets us sit here and do anything for him at all. And you know what we do? We put these men and women of God up on pedestals. Then when the inevitable truth comes out that they are just people and they have bad days, and dare I say they even have a failure in their life, then the whole body of Christ is running around confused. Why? Because they put their faith in the person and not in God. I was uh, one of the executive pastors at a great church here in Dallas, Texas in uh, 2004 to 2009. Uh, in Carrollton, Texas. At that time, the church was the 69th largest Pentecostal church in the United States of America. I called it Six Legs Over Jesus, okay? It was a big church. The, uh, the dynamic at this church was a little bit different than here. There's the pastor right there. There's his first lady. You know what? Uh, they're right there. You could talk to him after the service. I'm just taking a stab. You could probably have talked to him before the service. They're right here. They're touchable. The dynamic was different at Covenant. I'm not saying it was better or worse. It was just different. The dynamic was different. We had thousands and thousands of people. There was a one service on Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. You had thousands of people coming and going, and there were several. There was 35 pastors on staff, and you had had the security down in the front and you had the earpieces and the guns and you know the whole nine yards there was a green room and, and the, the pastors weren't as touchable does that make sense uh, they just weren't as touchable and, and we were a little bit further off uh, I didn't understand that I love being around people that's why I'm in ministry I was always out there shaking hands or kissing babies or high-fiving folks I, I love people True story, just about a mile down the street, there used to be a target from the church. It was a Wednesday afternoon. Pastor, I'm bebopping down the aisle with my buggy. A lady that had been coming to the church for several months saw me, and she came up and she said, Pastor Michael, oh my goodness, it's really you. And I went, yeah. She said, oh, I, I go to Covenant. I've been going for about eight months, and I've never been this close to you before, and this is so crazy. Oh, wow, you're a lot taller than you look on the screens at the church, and, and you're here, and I'm here, and wow, this is amazing. What are you doing here? And I went, I'm buying toilet paper. Amen. I might get some craziness and get some toothpaste and dental floss. 
And it blew her mind that as uh, one of the pastors at this mega church that I was just in a Target doing regular things that people do. How many of you know just because we're Christians don't mean we're not real people? Come on, somebody. We have bad days. We slip up. We trip up. We beat our kids. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Don't look at me like you know what I'm talking about. Some of you were driving to work yesterday and someone cut you off and you were like, hey, go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? And Paul was saying, listen, I'm just a man, human like you. We we all are just human beings. Just because we love Jesus, just because we come to church, doesn't mean we're not real people. Amen? And so what I want to share with you tonight is this scripture. And I know that you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It says, uh, we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I love that scripture. You know why? It talks about treasures, but the Bible says that God puts them in jars of clay. How many of you know if you had a treasure, you wouldn't put it in a jar of clay? You wouldn't put the whole diamond in a jar of clay. But the Bible says God puts treasures in very ordinary vessels. You know what that lets me know, Commission Church? That means that God likes to put very incredible things in very ordinary vessels like you and I. Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the faith chapter, and and, and we know it over and over and over. It goes through a motley crew list of people that God took their strengths and turned them, uh, their weaknesses, and turned them into strengths. Let me give you a snapshot. It says, I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon or Samson, David, Daniel, Samuel, prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administer justice, gain what was promised. Listen to this. Shut the mouth of lions, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword. Watch this. It says, whose weakness was turned to strength. You know what God likes to do? He likes to take weak people and make them strong. When I say weakness for the rest of this evening, I want you to know I'm not talking about things in your life that you can change. Are you with me tonight? When I say weakness for the rest of this evening, I'm talking about things in your life that you cannot change. Like sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, will you lay hands on me? My weakness is overeating. Well, you can change that. Can I get an amen? So at 3 o'clock in the morning when the spirit of Sarah Lee starts calling out of the refrigerator, you just don't go down there and eat it. Get a salad every now and then. Can I get an amen? I'm not going to cast the overeating demon out of you. I'm not going to do it. You can change that. Sometimes people say, I'm greedy. You can change that. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I really need you to pray for me. I'm lazy. Well, you can change that. I mean, no, get up. Get out of bed. Get productive. I'm not talking about things in your life that you can change. I'm talking about there's things in all of our lives in this room tonight. And you know what? There's decisions that you have made. You're not proud of them, but it happened. Some of you in here have been hurt Somebody has stolen from you. Maybe somebody has wounded you. Maybe there are people that have mistreated you. And I'm not asking you to fake it. I'm asking you to face it. I'm asking you to deal with it and understand that those, those, those weaknesses in your life actually can become your strengths all through the word of God. We can see that he took the limitations in our life and, 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 and our, in our families and in our marriages and he turned them into our strength. It's, I mean, I love the word. How many love the word of God? Say amen. I love the word of God. I love it from cover to cover. I believe from Genesis to the maps. I believe the maps. I believe heaven and earth will pass away before one comma or one period of his word passes away. But listen closely. I want you to know this. Did you know in scripture, there are only two people in the entire word of God that the Bible refers to as meek? Did you know that? Only two. In the entire, from the beginning to the back, only two people ever does the Bible call meek. Now, what do you think of when you think of meek? You think of humble. 
You think of uh, someone that's got it all together. You think of it like if I were to say, Pastor, you know, he's such a, a meek, uh, mild man. I would be saying, you know, he's not extroverted. He's not rude. He's, he's gentle. He's humble. He's meek. Only two people the Bible ever calls meek. One is Jesus. How many can roll with that one? The second one is Moses. Okay, Moses bashed an Egyptian's face in with a brick. We all know the story. The, he was up on top of the mountain. He came down. The Shekinah glory was all over him. He looked down. The children of Israel were running around down there going crazy, having a wild party. And he smashes the Ten Commandments on the ground. How many of you know that the Israelites were the biggest, fattest crybabies on the face of the planet? Can I get an amen? How many times was God going to kill every last one of them? He was going to wipe them all out. And Moses had to stand in between the wrath of God. And God's like, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. Don't kill them, God. Don't kill them. Get out of the way. I'm going to kill them. Don't kill them. Don't get out of the way. I'm going to kill them. And so one day they were crying because that's what they always did. And they're like, we're thirsty, Moses. We're just so thirsty. And Moses goes to God and says, okay, they're crying again. Uh, they're thirsty. And God's like, cool, I got this because I'm Jehovah Jireh. So he says, uh, go and speak to the rock. That's what he told him to do, right? Speak to the rock. But can Moses do that? No, he's got to get out there and say, let me tell you what. You're a bunch of fat baby. Bam, bam, bam. And he strikes the rock three times. Water gushes out everywhere. And from that one act of defiance, he can't enter into the promised land. Yet out of all the people in the word of God, let's, let's retrace the activity of this meek individual. He murders somebody by smashing their face in with a stone. He smashes the Ten Commandments on the ground because he's so angry. He, he was told by God. How many know if God tells you to do something, you ought to follow it to the letter? God said, speak to it. He said, talk to it. But Moses couldn't do that. And because of that one act of defiance, he can't enter the promised land. Yet out of all the people in the word of God called meek, Jesus and Moses. He called David a man after his own heart. But when you look very closely at his life, his area of defeat was moral impurity. He was an adulterer, a murderer, and a liar. But God said he's got a heart just like mine. He called Peter a rock. He was the most unstable dude in the Bible. <laughs> How many of you know, hey, did you know him? Nope. Did you know him? Nope. Did you know him? Didn't know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. It's crazy. <laughs> He's slicing people's ears off. Hey, uh, could, Peter, could you tarry with me for an hour? Let's do this, God. <laughs> Lord, uh, I'm with you. How many of you are glad that sometimes God sees things that we don't see? He called Gideon a mighty man of valor, but when you look closely at his life, he was afraid. Timidity was his problem, but he said, you're a mighty man of valor. He called Abraham, the father of faith, but he had so much faith, he went to his beautiful wife and said, here's how we're going to roll this one out. <laughs> we're going to lie and tell my sister so they won't murder me and try to sleep with you. How many of you are glad that sometimes God takes our weaknesses? Come on, somebody. God takes our, our weaknesses and turns them into our strengths. And so I'm going to give you very quickly tonight what I call the three benefits of our weakness or the benefits of our baggage. Will you say that with me? Ready? The benefits of our baggage. The first one is you have a greater dependence upon God. Amen? You want to know why you're going to go through some struggles? You want to know why you're going to go through some hardships and some pain? Because it helps you depend upon God more. Paul clearly understood this because he said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He said, the less I have, the more I depend upon him. You know the story of Paul. He had a thorn. He had a, a persistent perplexity, and it caused him tremendous amounts of pain and limited his ministry. Three times he asked God to take it away, and all three times God refused. And in 2 Corinthians 12 and in the ninth verse out of the good news, his answer was, my grace is all you need, for my power is strongest when you are weak. 
I think the thing that many of us are going to have to learn over and over in our marriages, in our ministries, in our parenting, is we forget to find strength in the struggle. Come on now. We forget to find strength in our weaknesses. What do you do when you have some pain? What do you do when you're going through something that hits you out of nowhere and it's causing you tremendous pain and misery? I'll tell you what we do, church. We do the same thing that Paul did. We ask God to take it away. We come to church. We ask pastor to pray with us. And we say, God, take away this struggle. God, take away this circumstance. Lord, Jesus, right now, would you just remove this pain from my life? But let me ask you this. If he is glorified through your struggle, if, if God's power is put on display, through your struggle, then why would he take it away? Sometimes we have to understand that pain is a part of God's providential plan for your life, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Oh, I'm about to say this. The thorn room is the way to the throne room. Come on, somebody. The thorn room is the way to the throne room. You're going to go through some struggles. You're going to go through some trials, but it's going to help you depend upon God more. Amen? Someone say benefit number two. It helps you not to be so cocky. Oh, I feel like preaching now. Come on, somebody. Isn't it amazing how when we get a little bit of power, when we get a little bit of authority, when we get a little bit of uh, great things going on in our life, we think that we're all that in a bag of chips and dip and Coke and peanuts. Honey, you ain't nothing. You ought to thank God that he lets you sit here tonight and do anything for him at all. And, and so many times in our life, we get so prideful. And Paul even said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, he said, to keep me from being conceited. That's what he said. Paul said because of these all-surpassing revelations that I was getting, he said there was a thorn given to me, and three times I pleaded with God to take it away, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is strongest for when you are weak. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. We got to understand tonight that even though you're going through a struggle and even though there may be a difficult thing right now and in your life or at your job, maybe you're battling physically or mentally or emotionally, maybe there's a problem in your marriage, but can I tell you, you got to find strength in the weakness. Can I get an amen? Strength in weakness. How many of you have ever ridden a go-kart before? Wave at me if you've ridden a go-kart. Come on now. I love, I love go-karts. Can I tell you, I don't know if you've been out there to Andretti's out there in the, co in the colony. They got now like a 45,000 square foot indoor go-kart track. And tell you, I, I've never been, but that, it, these go-karts, evidently they, they, people are going crazy for them. We've all been on go-karts. They're in every state in America. How many of you know sometimes they got them slick tracks? You've seen those? And then sometimes they got them metal tracks. Sometimes uh, they got them tires. You know, they'll lay them down sideways. And they'll do the track with tires. Uh, there's go-karts everywhere. But did you know that there is one universal rule on a go-kart track? You guys know what it is. It doesn't matter what state you're in, where you're at. There's one universal rule on the go-kart track. How many know what it is? Say it with me. No bumping. <laughs> you can forget about that, Jack. I'm running you off the road. Why do I want to get on a go-kart and drive normal? I have to do that out on the regular road. I get on a go-kart track so I can go crazy. I want to get on a go-kart, and it'd be Fast and Furious 14. Bam, bam, bam. There's nothing better than running somebody into a wall and driving off in the sunset. 
But you know there's a little doohickey on a go-kart. It's called a governor. It's such a bummer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? A governor is the little apparatus that they put on the go-kart to regulate the speed. And I know some of you are like, I don't care. I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal. I'm going to throw it down. You can put that thing all the way to the floor until you get carpal tunnel of the ankle. It doesn't matter. Because when that governor kicks in, it's going to regulate it. But they put that governor on there because they know how to regulate the speed. Because how many of you know if you're going too fast, you're going to hurt yourself? Is anybody getting what I'm saying in this room tonight? Many times God will put a governor on your life because he knows that if you're going too fast, you're going to hurt yourself. We go through trials and tribulations in life. Help me out, brother. I feel more spiritual when you play behind me. We go through struggles. We go through pain. We go through all these things. Number one, because it helps us depend upon God more. The second reason you're going to go through things in your life, and how many of you know, it ain't if, it's when. It's coming. The second reason is because so many times in our life, God will allow something painful. God will allow a thorn because he wants to get you closer to his throne. We go through struggles in life. We have a human side. Helps us to depend upon God more. Number two, helps us not to be so arrogant. And thirdly, and here's where I want to park for the rest of our time together, it expands our capacity to minister. It expands our capacity to minister. Can I share with you one of my favorite scriptures in the Word of God? I'm going to give you my favorite before it's done, but this is one of my favorites. And it's 2 Corinthians 1.4. Pastor, I see it and read it every day because it's right here on my arm. <laughs> and 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, God comforts us in our struggles so that we can comfort those with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't that awesome? God comforts us through the struggle so that one day we can turn around and we can comfort someone else because we've received that same comfort from, from Jesus. Can I tell you, church, something to never do? Don't ever do this. Don't do it in a text. Don't do it out in the lobby. Don't do it on a parking lot. Just don't do it. Don't ever go up to somebody and say, hey, I understand how you feel when you don't. I don't want someone ministering to me that doesn't understand my struggle. I don't want someone trying to say they understand how I feel if they've never walked through what I've walked through. You can say you love me. You can say that. You can say, Michael, I'm so sorry, but I'm praying for you. You can say that. You can say to me, man, I can't imagine. And if you ever just need somebody to listen, don't say you understand how I feel if you don't understand how I feel. But you know what? God says that some of us do understand because we've walked through some things. And you've had some bruises and some cuts and some scrapes and some scars. And my Bible says that one day God's going to give you an opportunity to turn around and breathe hope and health and healing into somebody else because you got that comfort from the Lord yourself. can't wait to get to heaven. Pastor, I'm tired of this world. I want to see Jesus. I'm tired of everybody being offended by everything. 
tired of everybody with the rampant racism and the pornography and the drug addiction and the alcoholism. Tired of the homosexuality. I'm, I'm just, I want to see Jesus. But you know who I want to see after that? I want to see the Apostle Peter. I resonate with him, Pastor. I want to see Jesus and say, that was my cross. That was my sin. That was my shame. Thank you for the cross. But right after that, man, I'm hunting down Peter. I identify with him. Peter was always saying something before he thought about it. <laughs> you ever put your foot in your mouth? Come on, somebody. Hello. <laughs> you ever just say it and you're trying to get it back? Nope, it's already out there. <laughs> that was Peter. Do you remember the story of the foot washing? How many have ever been a part of a foot washing? Wave at me real quick. How many of you know that's not a party? <laughs> it's weird. It's weird and awkward and I hate it. You're like, it's so powerful. I didn't say it wasn't powerful. It's just weird. I mean, I know people that are married that don't want to touch each other's feet. I'm serious. I've been, they've been in my office. Pastor, you know what? My wife is a nurse, and she's on her feet all day at the hospital. She comes home. Babe, will you rub my feet? She's like, she's the love of my life, but I'm not touching those feet. <laughs> Women. Uh, he's my life partner. Pastor, he does construction. And, uh, you know, he's out all day and doing construction. He comes home and throws his feet in my lap. Baby, you rub my feet. He is my prince, and, but I'm not touching those feet. <laughs> and they love each other. And I know some of your women are like, ah, beautiful feet. No, you don't. They're gross. Just own it right now, ladies. You're like, they're beautiful. You go to a building and they take a cheese grater and saw off the back of your heel into a pile of dead flesh. And then they put these little flowers in the water and turn it blue and put them in there. And then you get the baggie of wax and put it around. And then they get a little gel. Boop, they're nasty. Now imagine a stranger at church. And they light candles and put on worship music. Just, no, it's awkward. Now imagine the Son of God. The Son of God gets down on his hands and knees like a slave. You do remember in biblical days that foot washing was the worst of the worst. You do remember in biblical days, in Old Testament times, foot washing, and even in the New Testament, was reserved for slaves. It was reserved for the worst of the worst. And the Bible says, you know what, don't ever forget this part of the scripture. We always remember the second half. We don't ever remember the first half. The Bible says, knowing he had all power. He knew he had all the power in the universe. Yet the Bible says, humbled himself like a servant, got down on his hands and knees, wrapped an apron around his waist, and started going down the line, washing their feet. The Son of Man, who had all the power in the universe, washing their feet. And he gets to the Apostle Peter, and Peter has to go be Peter. And he goes, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, excuse me? He goes, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, if you do not let me do this thing, he said, we're finished. You talk about a tune changing fast. Peter says, wait a minute, Lord. If I don't let you wash my feet, I, we can't be together. Lord, if I don't let you wash my feet, we can't be one anymore. Then not just my feet. He says, but my head, my body, wash everything. 
And they trump up a bunch of lies and false charges against him. They have a joke of a trowel, hand him over to the Roman government. And the Bible says that Peter follows from afar. I find it interesting that when he's walking on water and raising people from the dead and feeding multitudes, Peter's right there. But now that it's a liability to be connected to the Lord, the Bible says in the New Century Version, he follows from a distance and he's recognized. Hey, you were one of the 12. I didn't know the man. That's the first time. The second time, did you know that theologians and historians tell us it was a child? Couldn't stand up for his Lord. He said, I'll die for you. I would never deny you. I'll die for you. I'll lay down my life for you. And the second time, can't even stand up for his Lord and Savior to a kid. And the kid says, you're not from around here. Your accent. You're not from these parts. Your accent, it it gives you away. You were one of them. I did not know the man. That's the second time. And the third time, Pastor, I never knew this. I have taken hermeneutics, homiletics, eschatology, Theo 1, 2, 3, and 4. I've got ordinations, all that stuff. I don't have any problem eating a piece of this humble pie and letting you know I had no idea. I'd never seen this before. But the Bible says the third time was in a courtyard. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but I never understood this pastor until I went to the Holy Land. Because a courtyard is about 10 foot wide and about 20 foot long. You could literally probably put three courtyards or four in this room. The Bible says the third time was in a courtyard. And someone recognizes him and says, you were one of the 12. And the Bible says with an oath. Do you know what that means? The Bible says with an oath. That means he was furious and angry and cussing. He was cursing, using profanity. And he said, I do not know the man. And the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at him. Can you imagine how horrible you would feel? Can you imagine being 10 feet away from the Son of Man blood spilling down his face and you are furious and angry and and, and cussing. I did not know him. And Jesus turned and looked at him. I thought my whole life, Pastor, that they had carted Jesus off somewhere to be murdered and he did it to his face. How terrible would you feel? I think some of us are going to have to understand in our ministry. You say, I'm not in ministry. We're all in ministry. How many of you know when you said yes to Jesus, you became a minister? And you're going to have to understand that people are going to find healing in the wounds that you take on in your life. Why do we go through struggles? Number one, because it helps us to depend upon God more. Number two, it helps us to have some humility, not be so arrogant all the time. But most importantly, if this church is going to be a church that reaches this metroplex, then when people come in here, they they don't need to see perfection. Remember, people don't relate to a perfect church, but they do relate to a human church. Can I get an amen? I close with this story, and then I'd love to just bring us around this altar and bless every one of you but I feel that it's, it's appropriate that I tell this story and my final thought Pastor I was in Rio Rancho New Mexico and um, it was a pretty large church there were about a thousand people there 
and the place was packed, and they were on the third song, so I was close. You know how it goes. I mean, uh, all their preliminaries and the offering and the announcements were done. They were on the last song, and I'm just literally moments from getting up on stage. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell everybody what happened to you when you were 11. And I remember going, God, I'm not going to do that. Tell everybody what happened to you when you were 11. And I said, God, I'm not doing it. I'm arguing with the Lord. I said, God, you know what? I, I've already dealt with that. And you know that I put that in your hands and I don't understand what would even be the reason or the purpose. I, I, I don't need to, I don't understand why. And I'm telling you, church, the Spirit of the Lord spoke so loudly to me and said, how can I use you to touch them if they don't know where you've been? So I had to leave the service and go call my father because he didn't know. Nobody on the planet knew. Nobody knew. To my knowledge, the only people on the globe that knew this were me and one other person. And they pulled my mom and dad out of Praise Assembly of God in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in their service. I looked at the pastor and I said, you're going to have to just sing a couple more songs. i got to do something. I was not going to tell strangers something my own family didn't know. And they pulled my mom and dad out of their service, put them in an office, put it on speaker, shut the door to give them privacy. And my mom and dad had to be freaking out. Son, are you okay? I said, everything's fine. Michael, are you hurt? I said, mom, dad, everything's fine. I'm in New Mexico. And I said, mom, do you remember North for Sales, Pennsylvania? And she goes, son, of course we remember that. What's going on? I said, I said, dad, do you remember Ormsby Drive? Do you remember that little red brick house we lived in in Ormsby Drive? And he said, son, yes, what is it? And I said, mom and dad, do you, um, do you remember that man that lived next door to us and would watch Renee and I when you guys would go to the church on some afternoons? And they said, son, yes, we remember. And I said, well, mom, he, he molested me multiple times. She started to weep, and my dad was crying, and I was weeping. And I told him what I felt like the Spirit of the Lord wanted me to do. And the Holy Spirit did a real neat thing there on the telephone. And I hung up, and I went back in front of that audience of people. And I said, I had this sermon, and I wanted to preach it, but I can't. Because I said, I feel like the Lord is telling me that someone needs to know. And I just spilled it out. And can I tell you, church? It was like, boom. it was like an atomic bomb of the Holy Ghost went off in that room. And like a healing bomb of Gilead, oil just started to flow all over the place. And, and people started spilling down around the altars. It was 10, and then it was 100, and then it was 200, and then it was 300. 400 people spilled down all around that altar, weeping. People that had been physically abused, sexually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused. That healing would have never taken place. Had I not shown the human side of ministry? Did you know that you can impress people from a distance, but you can only influence people from up close? And if you're going to influence people, then you are going to have to show people the wounds and the, and the scars and, and, and the bruises in your life. Would you stand all around this room? Would you help me now? Stand all around the room. 
And I know this seems a little unconventional, but I'm going to ask you to step out, and I want you to get as close to me down to this altar as you can. Every one of you, just step out and come around these altars. If you have to go all the way to your left, all the way to your right, I want you to come get out of your seat and come all around the altar. Come on, move, 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 move. This is just going to be a second. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, all around the altars. I, I want to be able to see you. Brother Michael, uh, they may never say they're sorry for what they did to me. I, I may never recover from the loss. Come on, move forward if you would. Come on close to me. I, I may never, they may never say they're sorry. I may never recover from the loss that was inflicted upon me. Are you going to be a church that is a museum for saints or do you want to be a hospital for sinners? Come on, somebody. I want to be one of those churches. I want to be one of those believers that, uh, that, uh, that people can relate to. I don't want to tell somebody I have a perfect life and a perfect marriage and perfect finances and perfect health and I never go through anything. Paul said to the Iconians, he said, I'm just a man human like you. You know what else Paul said? Paul said, I was not only privileged to share with you the gospel. He said, I was privileged to share with you my very life. My wife is here tonight with me, and she was molested by a minister from five years old to 11. Can you imagine that? Every week, most times daily, for six years, raped at 16, two suicide attempts, abandoned by a husband. My wife would have never in her wildest dreams for many years thought that she would stand in front of congregations all over the United States of America and at women's conferences and share her story. And pastor women would stand in line for a half an hour, hour, hour and a half waiting just to touch her and hold her hand and say, that's my story. Can I tell you the thing that the enemy thought he would take you out with just might be the very thing that breathes hope and health and healing and life into somebody else. My mom and dad are about to celebrate 60 years of marriage. Come on, somebody, make some noise. 60 years. I was in Warner Robins, Georgia yesterday because my mom yesterday turned 80. She had her 80th birthday yesterday. They're about to celebrate 60 years. Guess what? My mom and dad are still married. They're still in love. They still flirt. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. I'm telling you, my, my pastor, if my mom's there in the kitchen by the, by the island and my dad walks by, it's going down. Bam! I think that's awesome. They're still in love, still in ministry, still preaching the gospel, 80 years old, and they're preaching machines. I would never go to somebody from a broken home and say, I understand. I don't. I would never go to somebody that was raped by just a mom or just a dad or foster home and say, I don't understand that. I never, ever, ever can recall hearing an argument from my parents. I never had to go to bed crying listening to my dad slap my mom around. I never had to duck a lamp. I never had to. I don't understand that. Maybe some of you came from a broken home and you can minister to someone that I can't. I can step into someone's life that you can't. You can step into someone's life that I can't. And I'm telling you tonight that the pain from your past can be the power for the present. 
can I hear you? The, the, the pain from your past, the thing that you thought, oh, I'll never get through this. That struggle, that thorn, that problem, that difficulty, that trial, that just may be the very thing that allows you to breathe life into somebody else because you've been there. Second Corinthians told us to do it. Comfort those with the same comfort that you yourself have received from God. Amen? Can I bless you tonight? That's why I wanted you to come close. I want to bless you tonight. I mean, is it, can I bless you? We don't bless people anymore. What is wrong with us? Did you know that you can bless your day or you can curse your day? You can bless your marriage or you can curse it. You can bless your physical health. You can bless your children. You can bless your finances or curse it. It's right there in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses declared to the church, I've set before you blessings and curses, life and death. Now choose life. So when I found out the power of words, Pastor, I called my dad on the phone and I said, Dad, will you bless me? He said, Son, I pray for you all the time. I said, I'm not talking about that. I said, I'm not talking about that, Dad. I said, I appreciate your prayers and I covet them and I'm thankful for them. But I want you to bless me, Dad. I want my Father's blessing on my life. Look in the Word of God. They fought over blessings. They, they, they tricked people to try to get blessings. They passionately pursued blessings. So a dear friend of mine whose name is Bishop Tudor Bismarck, he's an incredible man of God from Harare, Zimbabwe. And uh, Pastor, we've been dear friends for years. And, and he told me one time, he said, Michael, every time you bless someone, that's what he sounds like. He said, Pastor Michael, every time you bless someone, he said, they must have their palms hands up like this. And he said, and you must always put your hands forward because you're blessing them. I said, why are their hands like this? He goes, their hands must be to the heavens so they can catch it. I like that. So will you put your hands like this? And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may he cover you with his name, the name of Jesus. Father, for every outstretched hand in this building, I pray that you would bless their families. Come on, receive it right now, congregation. Bless their families, bless their marriages, bless their future marriages. Lord, bless their relationships and their friendships. Father God, right now, I pray that you would bless their physical health and their jobs and their new jobs and their, and their finances. Father, I pray for every outstretched hand right now. Bless them with favor unlike they've ever known. And Father, I look forward to good reports in the future of the mighty things that you've done. I bless them now in the matchless name of Jesus and all God's children said, someone clap your hands and give the Lord praise all around the room. Come on. Come on. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I don't know what song you're going to sing, but we all sing a song in a second. I want every hand in this room to go up, and I want us to begin to worship the Lord. How many believe we ought to go out worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? But before we do this, I'm going to give you one thing, and this is for free. In 2023, can you not drag some of the stuff in your life from 2022 into this year? But I will tell you this. 
We have living, we're living in a culture now where people think they got all the things they've been through and all the things you struggle with and all the things that you're going through. We got to sweep it under the carpet and not let anybody know about it. Can I tell you, you got two things that you can do in your life when, when the enemy messes with you. You can curl up in a fetal and suck your thumb and die or you can get up and brush yourself off and say, you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And my Bible says he began a good work and he's going to be faithful. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. And the pain from your past, and I don't know what your, I don't know what your story is. Pastor, I don't share this story everywhere I go, but I felt to share it. But you watch what happens in 2023. I'm not saying carry the jump from 22 into this year, but if there's some things in your life that have happened to you, guess what? It is what it is. You can't rewind the tape. You can't sweep it under the carpet. But you watch what God does in 2023. It won't be all the time, but there'll be an encounter. It'll be somewhere with somebody. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit will say, tell them your story. God will say, tell them your story. And you just watch how that thing that you thought the enemy would use to destroy you will be the thing that brings hope and health and healing and life into somebody else. So here's the freebie. Will you all begin to start thanking God now for the things he's going to do in 2023 even before he does it? Come on, somebody, make some noise. I want you to start thanking him now. You say, he didn't do it yet. But my Bible says in Hebrews, there was a great cloud of witnesses that gave God praise, watch this, having not yet received the promise. My Bible says there was a whole lot of folks that were just praising God and thanking him and they didn't even get the answer to their prayers yet. I told you at the beginning of this night, I've been to 48 out of 50 U.S. states. Six out of seven continents. Pastor, I'm going to do them all. If I have to have a Bible study with the penguins in Antarctica, it's happening. And the only two states, Vermont and Alaska. I've preached the gospel everywhere in the USA, but Vermont and Alaska. I'm in talks with a church in Alaska. Watch this. It's going to help you all in 2023. Pastor, let's say I go to Alaska, and I'm there for a month, but I forgot my coat. Now, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, I live in Dallas. People say, you from here? I'm like, no, but I got here as fast as I could. I love this city. But y'all need to calm down. It's 50 degrees. Y'all acting like the apocalypse is happening or something like that. People running around here, parkas and mittens and earmuffs. Come on, man up, people. Be 50 degrees. Y'all run around, oh my goodness. It got to be single digits before I even put on a hoodie. But let's say I went to Alaska and I was freezing. And I called pastor on the phone. Watch this. And I said, pastor, how's things going at the church? And you said, man, it's been amazing. God's moving. It's incredible. What's the weather like? Michael, it's been uncharacteristically for this winter, uh, uncharacteristically warm, like it has been. Amen? Till about a week ago, we had 80s the week before last. And I said, well, fantastic. Praying for you and the first lady. And, and you know what? Love all the people there at the church. Tell everybody I said hello. But pastor, by the way, I forgot my coat. And I'm here in Alaska and God's moving, but I'm freezing. And I got three more weeks and I'm freezing. Will you send me a coat? Are you ready for this? Let's say a week later, he called me again. And we started talking. And right before he hung up, he said, hey, Michael, by the way, I wanted you to know, uh, I put a coat in the mail, and you should receive it any day. What would I say? 
and say thank you. I wouldn't say, well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, when I get the coat in the mail and I open it up out the box and I put it on and I walk out there in Alaska and I feel it's warm, I'll call you and say thank you. No, I would thank him upon the promise. I know that if he loves me and cares about me, if he said it's on the way, even if I didn't get the coat yet, I know it's coming. And I would say thank you. How many of you know in 2023, someone needs to just start saying, Lord, I thank you for that new job. Come on, somebody. I thank you for my healing in my body. I thank you for the new uh, the raise. I thank you for bringing the prodigal home. Come on, somebody. Say, Lord, right now, we begin to thank you in 2023. And for everything that you're going to do, we begin to thank you right now in advance, even before we see it. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, someone put the praise together one more time.